This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth managers who go above and beyond to guide and support you. CanDo is more than just an attitude. It's navigating today for a brighter tomorrow. Visit CanDoWealth.com. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Natasha Froze and I'm joined by Katie Balls and we have a special guest, Gabriel Pogrand, who is the Whitehall editor of the Sunday Times. Now, Gabriel's joined us to talk about the recent news with Labour, who have voted to block Jeremy Corbyn from running as a Labour candidate in the next general election. This is the former leader of the Labour Party and has stood 10 times successfully for Islington North. Katie, why was this so important to Keir Starmer? So in a way, it's a trick Keir Starmer has played quite a few times, uh, which is to pick a fight with his own side so as to show who he is, or to, I think, tell the public that the Labour Party has changed since the Jeremy Corbyn era. So we know uh, one of the first things Keir Starmer did when he became Labour leader was actually to take that step in calling out alleged anti-Semitism involving Jeremy Corbyn uh, during the whip. This has all been rumbling on. And I think what's happened in terms of uh, the move today to actually ban him from standing as a Labour candidate is almost a completion, though I suspect there might be some more steps to come in terms of the story might not be completely over, but it is getting to the end of that journey, which is to say, ultimately, Jeremy Corbyn is not a representative of this Labour Party. It's interesting, and perhaps Gabriel will go into this too, how when it was, you know, when it comes to this motion, it was about more unelectability and damaging the Labour Party than specifically anti-Semitism, which seems more what it is about. But Effectively, I think that's partly a legal thing. And I think now the question is, is this a net plus for Keir Starmer? I think that, uh, you know, when you speak to people in Labour about what they want to do this year, they want the public to know what Keir Starmer stands for. That's why you've got the five missions. Um, Though I think TBC, how much they are currently convincing the public as as to know what a Starmer government would really look like. And then you also have this desire to show that they are no longer the Jeremy Corbyn party. Now, clearly, barring Jeremy Corbyn from standing is a clear sign of that. But I, don't, I, I have two thoughts on it. The first is, well, it's quite clear that the local Labour Party are unhappy about this, or at least, you know, a large chunk are. And Jeremy Corbyn himself has called the decision shameful. So maybe it's a fight Keir Starmer wants to have, but it could still get quite messy. And then secondly, I don't know, I personally just find it... I think it's one thing taking over and saying, this person who I served in the, gov- in the shadow cabinet of, I'm not going to serve under. You know, I, I'm not going to have in my own shadow cabinet. I don't think they're fit for this. I think given Keir Starmer's Labour leadership had him hugging Jeremy Corbyn and some of the photos, and I remember the video, I, to, to say this person is not you know, of the acceptable quality to stand does make you wonder you know how quickly Keir Starmer can change his mind now he could make the case which I presume is the one he thinks which is it was necessary to get behind Jeremy Corbyn to ever have a chance of changing the Labour Party but that's not what we're currently getting. Gabriel going back to what Katie said at the beginning of her answer what do you make of the reasons that Keir Starmer has given and and, and not mentioning anti-Semitism? I I think essentially Starmer's leadership of the Labour Party is that there have been two parts to it. I mean, the first was when he had this aspiration to build a soft left project. Um, 
the vocabulary of his leadership campaign was all about uniting the left, a kind of rainbow coalition that could accommodate the Blairites on the right and the Corbynistas on the left. And then the sort of second phase, and probably demarcated in the middle by the Equalities and Human Rights Commission report, finding that the party had behaved unlawfully under Corbyn's leadership. The second phase has been all about using the humiliation of Corbyn to demonstrate that he regards the sort of socialist campaign group tradition as being an anathema and antithetical to his values. And I mean, he's essentially done one of two things, either been wildly duplicitous, as Katie alluded to a few moments ago, uh, or alternatively, he's changed his mind. I mean, but he's certainly done something. And now, I mean, he's dis- he, he uh, believes either because of principle or the political uh, advantage posed by doing this. He, you know, he believes that, that the electorate cannot get enough of him, you know, essentially using the rule book and party procedure and his majority on its National Executive Committee to put in black and white terms again and again and again. The fact that there is, in fact, after all, no room for the man he once described as his friend, Jeremy Corbyn, uh, in the party he now leads. And Gabriel, what's been the response from the party itself? Has he had much support for this move? So Starmer dominates, uh, or his supporters dominate, the National Executive Committee, in whose gift this decision lay. And um, there are enough abstentions and miraculous absences uh, among them Angela Rayner for this motion to have gone through today. I mean, I, I was actually, um, as one does, was re- rereading uh, Alistair Campbell's diaries yesterday and looking at the preamble to Tony Blair's declaration he was going to abolish Clause 4. And uh, that, that was parting with the commitment to industrialising industry. And John Prescott was you know, predictably pretty queasy about it, but ultimately alighted on the view that given that Tony Blair was leading the party, it was it was, it was up to him to make those decisions and incumbent upon him as deputy to back them. And I suspect that, you know, a fair amount of the Parliamentary Labour Party and the Shadow Cabinet will, will reach that, that position as well. I mean, it's, it's clear that Starmer believes that, demonstrating to the public that he does not tolerate Corbyn or Corbynism, um, it is an effective electoral strategy and a morally justifiable one too. And I mean, the left are all a bit irrelevant in terms of where the power lies in the party now. And I suppose the soft left and Labour MPs will have to get on board. Katie, it has been rumoured that, although Corbyn hasn't officially declared this himself, is that he, he is going to stand as an independent. Do you think he'll win that seat? I think the problem is he could clearly dent the Labour candidate vote and it could get a little bit messy. Now, it's an incredibly safe Labour seat. So it's quite hard right now to see a scenario where Jeremy Corbyn stands as an independent, someone like Christian Walmart potentially stands as a Labour candidate, and then somehow the Tory goes through the middle. I just, I can't imagine isn't a North turning blue. Um, those strange things do happen in politics. But I think it does mean you could have quite a messy election were he to do it. I mean, there's been some rumours that Jeremy Corbyn could stand for London mayor. But um, I am, <laughs> I think that seems another step too far, probably. But I think you have a situation where it could get very messy. And therefore, I do begin to wonder in the sense, I think there is a 
scale by which Keir Starmer picking a fight with the left of the party and standing up to Jeremy Corbyn has been quite instrumental in that first stage that Gabriel was talking about of showing the public that they are different. An ongoing messy fight between Jeremy Corbyn and his supporters in the lead up to the general election, I wonder if it goes to the wrong end of the scale and starts to just remind people that yes, this person might not technically be in the Labour Party, but they still have, you know, support. Um, you know, it's interesting, for example, Angela Rayner wasn't on the vote today. Um, she was absent. I think you'll have some Labour MPs who are unhappy about the treatment of Jeremy Corbyn. And therefore, I think dirty laundry, if it's done in a really targeted way, can be can prove a point. But there are limits to it. And, and therefore, if Jeremy Corbyn does stand as an independent, I think that is a, a problem, not a plus for Keir Starmer's general election campaign. Yeah, Gabriel, what do you think about that? I mean, for Jeremy Corbyn to even want to be a part of the Labour Party again is almost strange in itself, given that he's had so much trouble with Keir Starmer being his leader. Do you think he'd survive better as an independent? I mean, I, I think Katie makes a great point, which is, I mean, does, does it actually aid and abet Keir Starmer's efforts to get into government for people to be thinking about the, you know, septuagenarian socialist grandpa at, in, in, in the days and weeks before a general election? I mean, I just, I just don't know. If, I just don't know. I mean, he might think, you know, obviously when, when you're in opposition, it's frustrating, but you can't really do very much. I mean, one of the only things that you can do is run your own party. You know, you can't give effect to policy you can change the way that you, your party works. And, I mean, he he, he believes, I mean, his, his conviction is evident that his demonstrative treatment of Corbyn shows that he can not only, you know, run the party, but run the country, you know, in a disciplined and moderate way. Um, but I just, yeah, don't, I just don't know if people, people necessarily want to be thinking about Jeremy Corbyn um, while they weigh up who to vote for at the time of the next general election. The other thing as well is I think that Corbyn, he's been in this sort of purgatory for the last while where Labour leaders' office has been briefing that they're going to ban him from standing and, you know, Starmer's done nothing to disabuse the lobby and the parliamentary, you know, media that he's going to, at some point, uh, draw a red line in the sand and say Corbyn is not going to wear the red rosette uh, at the time of the next election. But I think that purgatory was advantageous because now he's given Corbyn the gift of clarity. And that means that the left can coalesce around him and do something about this. I mean, Corbyn today was moved to issue a statement saying, you know, I've been campaigning for these values all my life and I, and I ain't going to stop now, basically. I mean, I've been speaking to people on the left saying, you know, they would, they would not rule out the idea of Corbyn you know, running under either as an independent or under some sort of extension of his new peace and justice project. But I mean, I think that him him running as independent, you know, we could 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 end up, you know, the, there could be huge amounts of resource lefties, you know, coming from around the country, pounding the pavements in Islington North. I have to say, I mean, I I'm, I'm not overstating how much support I think Corbyn has in the country, but you know, does this have the capacity to be all of it unseemly and awkward and potentially even embarrassing for Starmer? I suspect it does. Thank you, Gabriel. Thank you, Katie. And thanks for listening. And if you want to find out more about Corbyn's political career, do pick up a, a copy of Gabriel Pogren's book that he co-authored, Left Out, The Inside Story of Labour Under Corbyn.